Hello and welcome to episode 370 of the Fabulous Pelton Cast, sponsored by our friends at Pagliacci Pizza. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carzino. And we are coming to you from Renton, Washington, home of the Super Bowl 48 champion Seattle Seahawks. Hello! It's good to be here. I feel like 370 is an important number. I'm trying to think of what that number is. Well, it's the curse of 370 from Football Outsiders. Oh, is, what is that what it is? Okay. <laughs> so this is the, wait, who, who's the Larry the, Johnson? Yes, Larry should... Johnson was the famous curse of 370 <laughs> player. Okay. I knew that there was a number 370. Uh, we both came, that was pretty quick. That was like the fastest recall of a, of a sports player in a long time. <laughs> I don't know if it necessarily was the fastest. Also, MS370. I don't know if that's too sad, but... The Alicia, flight that yeah, disappeared? I yeah. think that actually might have been the one that I was thinking it, of. It does seem more plausible when I really thought about it. I don't think it's too sad. <laughs> okay. I think we're fine. I watched a documentary about it while I was on a plane. We're good. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah Curse of 370 is, is, is also a 370 reference. Well, an important episode. We're also getting into the defensive lineman territory now. <laughs> we are. We're, we're just, moving out of offensive linemen. We're soon going to get into the Michael Bennett, Bennett episode. There we're we not go. there yet. But, this, kind of, uh, this is low-key kind of the Michael Bennett episode. Because of the... Oh, because yes. Because of the discussion that we're going to have later on this in this very podcast. This is Bennett episode of the Pelton cast. With third Pelton brother, Jake One. So stay tuned for that one. Uh, going to be quite enjoyable. But for now, I think we should get into it with... This week's beer, which comes to us from our friends at Old Schoolhouse Brewery, Brewery. I want to call it Brewing, but it's actually Old Schoolhouse Brewery in Winthrop, Washington, home of the Winthrop Ice Rink. Uh, This is the Rude Awakening IPA, which weirdly they call on the website a double IPA, but also say it's an American IPA, and that's where the category it's gotten awards in. Which one is it, Old Schoolhouse Brewery? I don't know who you just became that. It's a Clone High reference. (laughs) Original Clone High. I do not stand by new Clone High. I thought the first episode was good. Haven't gotten any farther than the first episode. I don't. I do not stand by new Clone High. I'm sorry. I kind of. It was one of those ones where it's like maybe they shouldn't have brought this back for my own happiness of the show Clone High. I might just want to let that one live in time. Fair. Uh, A big bold American IPA with plenty of piney, citrusy, and floral Pacific Northwest hops that completely overwhelm. It's medium malt body. That's weird to like use overwhelm as a positive in this case. Uh, that has been our signature destination beer, named after the founding family of Old Schoolhouse Brewery, apparently the Root family. It completely overwhelms the other flavors. Uh, you know, if the you know what they're equivalent of the fabulous Baker voice is, right? What is that? The fabulous Root voice. The fabulous. Wow. <laughs> Can you get it up? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not expecting that reference to occur on today's podcast, but here we go. It's always an unexpected journey. All right. Well, I guess t- cheers to Larry Johnson and whatever happened. <laughs> yes. The podcast that Bill Simmons and Chuck Klosterman recorded talking about the MS370 theories. Uh, we have a number of toasts this week. Every oh. time you see MS370, it really sounds like a gang. <laughs> it does. Yes, I agree with that. It's MS13, right? Yes. Uh, we have a number of toasts this week because we are into hashtag all-star season. Oh, okay. And while there are zero Mariners all-stars to toast at this point, we do have some other ones. But first, we start with congrats to the five 
will reign players selected for the U.S. women's national team's roster for the upcoming World Cup. Defenders Alana Cook, Sofia Huerta, and Emily Sonnet, who also plays midfield for Oil Reign, plus midfielders Rose Lavelle and Megan Rapinoe making the roster despite her recent calf injury. So, very exciting. Uh, a lot of Oil Reign representation. Maybe not great for Oil Reign during the next month and a half of action. No, it's a month and a half. Well, the World Cup doesn't actually start until, I believe, July 20th. There's a World Cup this year? Yeah. All right, let's freaking go. Did you, did you not catch that when I said they were selected for the World Cup roster? I thought that was just like, a, you know. Just a general World down Cup. Down the road at some <laughs> no, point. It's, it's coming up here. It's this next is month. like me before I knew anything about soccer. And I would just, it would, like June would roll around. <laughs> and the World Cup is on. I remember this in 2006. I'm like getting a beer or whatever at, at the corner store. And I'm like, oh, damn, there's a World Cup this year. It was Ronaldinho was on it or whatever. And I was like, well. I'll be damned. Hope Italy's in it. And back then they were. They even won it yeah. in 2006. Ba- back in those days, they were almost always in it. But the USWNT began their training for the World Cup on Monday. So, uh, I honestly liked the World Cup better back then. When I would just randomly find out that it was happening. But what about the Women's World Cup? It was not as big of a deal back then, certainly. Kind of the same. Uh, I guess that's true. Uh, congrats to Matty Beneers, who was voted the winner of the Calder Trophy. There we as go. As the NHL's Rookie of the Year. He is, believe it or not, the first Kraken player to win the honor. That is huge. That yeah. That's really big. Yeah. Out of all the years that the Kraken have existed. They've waited a long time for this one. Do you know where the number one pick in the draft this year played last year? Thunderbirds? He was Regina Pat. Oh. Yes. He was he was in the WHL though. Yeah. Well, I just said Regina. That's all I saw. But I assume that it wasn't one of the other fine <laughs> hockey yeah, programs in like, Regina. I mean, like I know Toronto has like a minor league team and the Maple Leafs. Uh, they have the Marlies, but I don't think it's like Reg- that in Regina. It seems unlikely. Congrats to whomever that was who was the first pick in the NHL draft. Uh, not an official toast. Congrats to Jewel Wood. <laughs> do not count that as a toast. <laughs> Felton Guest Scholars, do not record that as a toast. Congrats to Jewel Lloyd, who was voted an all-star starter for the third time in her career. She'll make her fifth overall appearance in the game to be played July 16th in Las Vegas. There we go. Uh, All-star reserves announced later this week, as Emang Bogor has a chance to make it and make her all-star debut. The Storm might have more all-stars than wins. (laughs) They have more than two wins. Is that true? Yeah, they have four. Oh, all right. At least one of them in the past week. Speaking of All-Stars, as I said, it's, again, All-Star selection season. Congrats to Jordan Morris, who was selected for the MLS All-Star team for a second consecutive year. The MLS All-Stars will face Arsenal on July 19th. Uh, We tip our cap this week. It's not a toast, but we tip our cap to the Hershey Bears, who (gasps) came back to defeat the Coachella Valley Firebirds in the Calder Cup. As a, it's put the Calder I was going to say, this is, can we also toast to the word Calder <laughs> for that, being in the toast two it's, times? It's obviously the name of someone. You you know that all of these cups I understand, and but like this Calder person, really quite impressive. Well, we're going to have to look this up now. Just already a lot of references in this week's podcast. Uh, you were shocked, though, to see that Coachella Valley lost I thought it was done. Games. I thought it was finished. This How long did this matchup last for i feel like they've been playing forever well the last was the last game the one that randy watched well what you need a taco burger <laughs> I, d- I don't know <laughs> i i don't i don't know either i i didn't know that randy watched a game while eating a taco burger 
Did you text us that? He was watching. He posted it on Twitter. Okay. That it was the brand synergy that you were hoping for. (laughs) You missed this? The the Talking Taco Time Twitter has been quite active lately. Has it? It has. Okay. Even when I was like in New York and not checking it, that was not my main priority. That's when Randy (laughs) was visiting two new locations. We're getting close. Oh, no. Randy's kind of on fire right now. We need to do another Talking Taco Time. I mean, he's, he's getting down to the wire. He's, uh, he's the colder of visiting <laughs> Taco Time locations. Oh, my God. That's an amazing idea. When you, when you visit, you complete your tour of all Taco Time Northwest locations, you get the Cote The trophy. Cote Cup? Uh, yeah. It's got to be a cup. Yeah, you got to be yeah, able to drink out of it yeah. using Taco Time ice. Going to every single Taco... We just decided it right here. Yeah, yeah. take that talking Taco Time. We did this on our own. <laughs> it's called the Cote Cup whenever you hit every single... Which I feel like maybe only Rainy has done. And no, it, some someone posted on Reddit that they had done it. Okay, so that person on Reddit. Yep. I'm guessing maybe the owners. <laughs> you would assume. So I would point. hope the talk kids have done it. And Randy. They've all got the Kote Cup. It's it's almost like, you know, the list you keep of everyone that's eaten like a giant amount of food in a restaurant. Uh-huh. And they like hang your picture on the wall. This came up with Lincoln Kennedy recently because he's uh, set the record for most sausages at Chelsea's Sausage or something along those lines. There we go. This came up in the UW Spring Game. That's really funny. His name is Big Link, so you got to eat a lot of sausages. At the the White Center location, they should just have somewhere in the back, because that's the original Talking Taco Time Northwest location, right? (laughs) It's it's the original Taco Time Northwest (laughs) location. The original Talking Taco Time (laughs) location is my old house. (laughs) And Jake One's place. Yeah, actually, that's the first ever place. That we... Okay. They should just have photos, headshots of everybody who's been to every single Taco Time Northwest I'm location. also envisioning this a lot like the photo of Doug Forsett. Was it Forsyth? Doug Forsyth. For, yeah, Doug Forsyth in The Good Place is the person who came the closest to guessing their system. Anyways. Jeremy Baramy. Frank Calder was the first president of the NHL from 1917 until his death in 1943. That makes sense that they named the AHL Championship Trophy after him. I don't know how that particular honor came about. Uh, Yeah, it just says two trophies are named for him, and they both happen to be in this week's test. Wow, there we go. Those are are the the only two trophies? Hello! Wow. (laughs) What are the odds? Look at Frank Calder. That's a huge week. Some 80 years after his passing. But I do hate those Hershey bears. That's why you're refusing to eat Hershey's chocolate. Absolutely. Going forward. Yeah, no. After the series is up. That's it. We're, we're going full on protest of Hershey chocolate. I also just don't like the chocolate. So. <laughs> Straight up chocolate. <laughs> really bad. But now chocolate chips in cookies. Different story. All right. Uh, next up, a toast to the NBA preseason returning to Climate Pledge Arena next fall with the LA Clippers scheduled to host the Utah Jazz on October 10th. Wow, that's the Kevin Pelton Cup right it, there. It very much is. Yes. Uh lastly this week we're is, is there let me ask you a question about this. Yeah. So obviously we all know that um NBA to Seattle's done and is there a chance are we getting to the timeline? Do you think that the NBA wants to announce it at like a special moment or are they just going to they just going to tease it out Woj is going to post about it some July? I think, well, look, I mean, the story will be broken ahead of time. I'm not counting on, like, just, you know, the shock of an announcement at halftime of this game. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think it is likely to happen this year. The announcement? Yes. You think it'll be further down the road? 
That is my anticipation. Do you think one of these games might be when it happens? It's plausible, but I don't know if it's necessarily the ideal timeline because also you have to like have a vote by the board of governors. They don't just announce things. That's... They can announce that they're going to have a vote, but the vote happened in the summer most likely. I mean, I think it might be plausible. When they that... stole the Sonics, that vote happened in April, right? They have multiple board of governors meetings. One of them is towards the end of the regular season, and that's where the that's where the vote that they were allowed to move happened. Obviously, that was contingent on getting out of the lease, which didn't happen until July, which we're coming up on the 15th anniversary of next week. Hadn't, hadn't thought about that, that date being so soon, but next wow. Monday is the 15th. So you just wanted to bring up that and flight MS370 on the podcast? <laughs> wow, too soon. Next Sunday is and the And Larry Johnson's career. Anniversary. Yeah. Of the Sonics movie. And so we'll he was a to, promising young NFL running back. We'll have to bring back <sighs> our Jake One interview that we did on the 10th anniversary. Uh, July 3rd is the date, right? No, I think it's July 2nd. Okay. Because I think there was like a day, that day, then there was a day of a storm game that I attended, covered, and then the 4th of July that year. So pretty sure it's July 2nd. What day did they drafted Westbrook on like? June twenty seventh or something like that. I they drafted him before that. Correct. Okay. Like the, the Thursday before, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, my my guess is it would most likely be the board of governors meetings during the summer league, which would also be an appropriate place to announce that because it happens in Las Vegas. Okay. So th- so this year or next year? Next year. That obviously not. It's not happening in two weeks. I we I, would know. I do not okay. think so. No. So next year, if we're, if we're doing an over-under for when the announcement will happen, you know, second week of July 2024 is the over-under. Wow. So we're, we're looking at one year until they announce basketball in Seattle again. I mean, it's possible it could wait until the Board of Governors meetings, which are in October around the preseason, but that strikes me as a logical time. Wow. Okay. That's kind of incredible. So we'll see. Nothing is done until it's done. You. This is the first time you have not really pushed back on it being done. Last time I didn't push back as much as I did the time before. Every time you're getting worn down on pushing back. Is it because you're hearing things or you're just sick of... I think I'm equally pushing back as the last time, but less than the time before that. And that's that's all I can say. Oh, wow. it's a re- it's, That's a weighted not pushing back. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Episode 370. Tell the guest scholars, we'll record this one. It's the time Kevin Pelton didn't push back that much about NBA to Seattle. Also, I don't know why I say Pelton guest scholars. It's the listener. It's the scholar. Fabulous Pelton quotes. All right, lastly, this week on more somber note, we are remembering Scott Pallor, who played linebacker at Washington State before coaching at both Washington State and UW. Two stints with the Huskies as an assistant coach. Uh, Pallor died Monday at age 64 after suffering cardiac arrest. And also grandfather to Cooper Pelour or father father to Cooper Pelour. Yeah. Who, who played recently. So, yeah. All right. With that, I think it's time to look back on, we let's just fold the draft into my trip to the East coast last week. Okay. It's a, a Kevin's trip to the East coast. Yeah. Okay. Do you have the music ready? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, I've prepared a slideshow da, 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 da. with my photos for the trip. Okay. Not actually. So, uh, Thursday was the NBA draft. Uh-huh. We did the live stream. Trey Murphy the third was right next to me on on set. Uh, we did not. We did not sadly hang out afterwards. Did you vibe? 
it, Trey, Trey Murphy the third was very down to earth, came up to say hello, like was hanging out. Oh, with wow, him. he said hello. Well, like, you know, to introduce himself. He was like, hey, I'm Trey. Yeah. And you were like, hey, I'm ESPN's Kevin Pelton, senior, <laughs> senior NBA writer. Yeah. And you should have big time him. You've been like, <laughs> you do don't I, know who I am? Do I, do I know you? Well, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, this is jumping ahead in the trip, but Friday night was at dinner in New York with, among others, my ESPN colleague, Tim Bontemps. Uh-huh. As we were leaving the restaurant, he gets recognized. Our friend Eden asks the person, like, hey, do you know Kevin Pelton? He's like, no. no. <laughs> he knew Tim Bontemps? Well, Tim's on TV. Is he? Yeah. Okay. He's on TV a lot, yes. Hearing Jan try to talk about, A, figure out how to watch this live stream. But it's, she she did not movie. conquer while the draft was happening. She also, I don't know if she conquered the volume button on her computer. <laughs> oh, no. But her just talking about who was on the screen or whatever, I can't even say it because it was so offensive to every single person on the screen, including you. <laughs> oh, no. And I was just like, Brian Windhorst is a very famous analyst. I was no, like, she's not memes about Jan Brian. Level. She's like, there's some guy. And I'm like, that's Brian. Put some respect on Brian motherfucking Windhorst. Did she name. see the fingers? We were having a good time doing the fingers. <sighs> okay. The anyway. fingers were a flying after that. You Sacramento said you, trade. it wasn't Trey Murphy you vibed with that much. It was. Well, I didn't say I didn't vibe with him, but, but King McClure and I had uh, like we we were on the same page. You and King we, McClure, we I don't dapped him multiple times about my comparisons for players. He liked that. Yeah, I'd never heard of King McClure before this, but yeah, I mean, he played at Baylor and is a color analyst uh, for ESPN. Also does some studio work. So is that national champion King McClure? Do you? I, no, he was not on the national championship team. I think he played a little before that. Do they beat Gonzaga? They did. I'm I'm putting him on the team. You're you're, in, you're also claiming credit. Baylor is a we for that national. Oh championship. yeah, yeah no. <laughs> It's part of your favorite team. I don't Anybody claim credit for Baylor in that many situations. <laughs> Good. Good. There are not that many situations I could stand. Look, the playing career of Robert Griffin, always. Yes. Even, and, the, even the win over Oh, no, the, the win over UW, that's a wee win. <laughs> <laughs> I just look, everybody watching the game won. Fair. Uh, like, which do we, we remember more? The Alamo game that UW lost... Or the Holiday Bowl that they won like 10-3 over Nebraska. Is that Nebraska? Yeah. Yeah, no, I literally couldn't tell you a thing about that game. Definitely put that one out of my memory and out of its misery. That was the thing. I remember we were talking about this where it was like, if your only goal is to win, it's not necessarily approaching sports right. I'm getting too heady on this, but... Having that memorable game, it was a more important moment in Husky history than winning whatever Holiday Bowl you're talking or Alamo Bowl, which was the year before, yeah, against Nebraska. I mean, how how old do you even remember last year's Alamo Bowl? Like, kind of, but that game against Robert Griffin, I will remember that forever. Yeah, it was one of the best games in Husky history, and they lost. Yeah, so, but it doesn't matter. You can win a bowl game, you can win a national championship and forget about it. Literally none of this matters. All that matters is what people remember. I don't know that I've UW has not won that many national championships. But you understand what I'm saying? In, like you like, don't actually get anything as fans. Oh, that's true. So, when you're a fan, the thing that you get is the memory of the situation or whatever. Yeah. The fondness for that and and that's why losing the Super Bowl was better than no. <laughs> oh no, it can't be a crushing loss. 
<laughs> that was actually a lot worse. <laughs> uh, partially because of the traffic home. Okay, so so honorary husky King McClure and you. Yes. Uh, you all look. Loro was on his side. Uh, <laughs> I suppose so. Yes. You two were vibing there, though. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really fun event. Maybe the most fun I've ever had doing anything for ESPN. Really? Yeah, because I don't get to talk about the draft necessarily that much. And I love the draft. It's my favorite night of the year. Really? Yeah. This draft? I mean, the NBA draft. Okay. I don't know about 2023 specifically. The NBA draft is your favorite night of the year? Yeah. Okay. I mean, Uh, trade deadline is way up there. Uh, Thanksgiving at my house or Christmas (laughs) Eve at my house. No, I guess, I mean, I guess the draft is better. Whatever. No one, very Seeing rarely. the joy on my children's faces doesn't mean that much to you, <laughs> apparently. King McClure has joy on his face, and you're so happy. It's your favorite night of the year. Yeah. Dapped up with Trey Murphy, and then all of a sudden. <sighs> anyway. No, went straight handshake with Trey Murphy. <laughs> Just to be safe. Handshake. Not, not even like, like. No. no. No, it was for, formal handshake. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like Barack Obama going through the line. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Okay. That's what about what about King McClure? He did come in with a little bit of dap, so okay, yeah, that's I had good. to follow his lead. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate I'm really kind of liking King McClure. Yeah. I saw like I found him on Twitter a couple days later, like totally randomly, and I was like, Oh, this is that dude that yeah. that Kevin was talking about. I was like, All right, I fuck with this guy. He's on like ESPN radio. Yeah. Okay. Was there anything from behind the scenes at, at the uh, draft stream that we should know about? Not really, no. Let's talk Blazers then. Okay. Scoot, baby. It, I think things fell well for them. There was you know, some drama earlier in the day. It fell well. It was literally one pick that mattered. True. Well, it was also them moving up to three in the lottery. There was some drama earlier in the day about whether Charlotte might select Scoot, but... Woj came in with the, they never wavered in their belief in Brandon Miller and Portland got Scoot Henderson. What do we think about Scoot? I mean, you know, as as we've talked about, my projections are not necessarily that effusive about him, but when you look at the type of players that exceed them, often they are really athletic guards who benefit from the floor spacing in the NBA. And he fits that mold. And I felt better after I looked it up because Ignite did try to add some shooting this year. But they still were dead last in three-pointers made during the G League regular season. So, you know, you get to Portland and are playing with Shaden Sharp and and uh, Anthony Simons. It's a different level of spacing that you're going to enjoy. Okay. What about Keegan Murray's brother, who they took later? Chris Murray, yeah. Uh, he, I don't know if he would have been my top pick at that point, but, you know, I think that represented a little bit of... So the, the official phrase of the Blazers right now is, thread the needle. Okay. Which is... We're going to have Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson, and they'll be our future. We're still going to try and compete now. With I Damian love Bullock. this. I love this. You've got Robbie Ray. You've got Julio Rodriguez. <laughs> oh, no. It's going to work. Oh, it no. can't not work. More, more to come on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Chris Murray played basically the same role that Keegan played last. It, it, Keegan played it in 2021-22. Chris played it last year. Put up very similar numbers to what Keegan did. Maybe not quite as good a shooter and probably not quite the athlete that, that Keegan is, but you know, I think someone who can come in and be a role player right away. I thought he was like a perfect Blazers player and can defend also, correct? Yeah. 
Mike, thought that was an awesome draft pick. I was pretty hyped on My comparison for him on the air was kind of like late career Trevor Ariza. Okay. Yeah. That's maybe a better, a little better shooter than he is. But Yeah. No, I love to compare like 21-year-olds to 38-year-olds. He is not 21. Is it, well, how old is he? 23 at he's, most? He's 22, maybe 23. But Still, late career Trevor Ariza was old. Yeah. But like early career Trevor Ariza was an incredible athlete and Chris Murray is not at that level. So what does this mean for the Blazers now? Thread the needle? Dame's not going anywhere? Thread the So, I mean, he met him and his agent, Aaron Goodwin, met with Joe Cronin, the Blazers' uh, lead executive on, I believe that was Tuesday. And then Cronin, you know, released a statement indicating that they're continuing. They talked about, you know, their plan to win in Portland and, you know, continue to move forward with that vision. My assessment is that we will see the Blazers operate this week as if Damian Lillard is returning, which would mean aggressively trying to re-sign Jeremy Grant, uh, potentially trying to use their mid-level exception to add to the roster. And then we will see how Damian Lillard feels after those moves are complete. Okay. If I were to give you a, a complete guess right now, I would say it is more likely than not that Damian Lillard is on the Blazers roster to start the season. Should Damian Lillard be on the roster to start the season? You know, Zach Lowe had a rant the other day on the low. Oh, man, I forgot my Zach Lowe reference earlier. Oh my Hold God. on, we got to double back on this one. <laughs> you got so excited. You said Zach is the most excited any person has ever been to say the word Zach Lowe. Old Schoolhouse Brewery has on their webpage for the Rude Awakening IPA, which is quite good. I think this is solidly in the top half of the IPAs we've had. Yeah. A quote from Zach Lowe. Really? From Moab, Utah. Oh, wow. A, a home brewer, hop grower, and IPA lover. Rude Awakening is aptly named for it gave us just that as our group of IPA aficionados tasted beers from around the country. When we put Old School Brewery up next to the West's best IPAs, Stones, Odell's, New Belgium, Skaz, etc., it roused our taste buds from their slumber. Roused our taste Tins buds. across the board, everything we look for in an IPA, hop flavor, hop aroma, balance, smoothness, and most important... Mascots. <laughs> <laughs> Degasherogeny? I don't know what that word is. I've never seen those. <laughs> Look, he of was a teacher for a while. <laughs> in, together in my life. Outscored, outdrank, over the top, and unfortunately under the radar. This beer is worthy of any IPA palette at any competition throughout the nation. <laughs> gone too far, Zach Lowe from Moab, Utah. But for now, it's our little secret tucked in Winthrop, Washington. So I love the idea of Zach Lowe. His one beer that he's lost himself at the end of the night is the Rude Awakening IPA. <laughs> or maybe a homebrewed beer. Wow, I Zach Lowe from Moab, Utah. That was he went a little too far. This is the only f- reference on the entire internet to the word decashrosity. Decashrosity. What? So it's He's something making that up Zach words? Lowe made up with his IPA buddies. Zach Lowe from Moab, Utah. We gotta get this, up a word. We gotta get this Zach Lowe on the pod. I mean, I, honestly, I don't know if I respect some of those breweries he mentioned. New Belgium. That was the spread. That's what we're talking about. Come on, dude. I, I, don't know. I don't know what to tell like, That's one. like craft beer V1. <sighs> so anyway, better than 50-50 in my analysis. Okay. Uh, no, yeah, Zach had a rant about you know people saying what, in this case, what Damian Lillard should do, but to a lesser extent, what Portland should do. I mean, look, I, I personally, as someone who is invested 
in the Blazers. I think, I mean, we talked about this last week. Having Scoop makes it so much easier to move on from Damian Lillard yeah. because you feel like you've got that next generation already in place. This this isn't, you know, I, I don't know what the, well, Bradley Beal, the Bradley Beals, right? It isn't that. Uh, the other thing I was thinking about that I don't think anyone has mentioned in this, it is kind of funny that the Blazers have been kind of slow to, you know, move on from Damian Lillard. I think that's a fair assessment. Mm -hmm. Given that their ownership group, just last year, as an example of a situation where, like, both sides kind of wanted to break up, and they finally did it, and it worked out amazingly well for the Seahawks. I am telling you this straight up. Damian Lillard is probably a better dude than Russell Wilson. And I think that is a lot of what it comes down to. I think Damian Lillard's just kind of a good dude. I think that the, the Seahawks... And they don't have a coach like Pete I mean, Carroll. the biggest difference, yes, is that like when the Seahawks made that decision, most Seahawks fans rallied around it because it was still the GM and coach who had won the Super Bowl for them. That is not the case in Portland. I, I It's just a different situation. Dean Lillard and it's Russell Wilson are a different situation. But like, it's not like when... like Even Blazers fans who are like, hey, this is good for the franchise going forward, they're still not going to be excited about a Damian Lillard trade. It's still going to be a bummer. I think, again, coming back to what I said earlier, people are too fixated on this idea of quote-unquote winning championships. And the reality is, are the Blazers going to win a championship if they trade Damian Lillard? Probably not. Are the Blazers going to win a championship if they don't trade Damian Lillard? Probably not. That's it. Is If that is your only goal, if that's it, is just to win championships, it is a, it is a Sisyphusian it is a decastrian, or whatever that word is. <laughs> what is the word that Zach Lowe made up? Decasherosity. It is a decasherosity. Decasherosity? I don't know. Type goal. To just say that the only thing that matters is winning championships, because the reality is it isn't. And if that is your only goal as a, as a team, as a front office, whatever, is just we're going to win the, the championship, like... You're gonna you're gonna feel failure so often, right? The yep. Blazers have, have failed at that goal every single year since 1970, whatever. But what I would say is, if your goal is relevance, and I think that's a more appropriate goal, I think the Blazers are more likely to be relevant if they trade Damian Lillard. I don't know if that's true, because right now what you have is you have a team that has Damian Lillard. Relevance means a lot of things. Again, winning a championship in Miami is Damian Lillard doesn't matter that much. I don't like, know. There's, there's a proud tradition of you and he would play a bigger role undoubtedly if Miami to win, were to of, win a Of getting an agent championship in Miami? Yeah, from, for Oakland point guards I was going to say. Oh, for, but also Jason Kidd did not question. do it, but yeah. he did beat Miami. Yeah. It fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Have you checked out Jason Kidd's like basketball reference page in the past week? Uh, are the Heat going to win a championship if they have Damian Lillard? Probably still not. Yeah. Like, people need to cool the fuck off on this. Like, I understand it's the entire culture of the NBA. It's the driving force of the NBA is this thing about rings, right? It, it is the lifeblood of the NBA. It is transactions, and it's complaining about rings. That's it. That's what the entire league is based off of. People don't watch the games, except for you. 
ironically. <laughs> ironically, the person who is most criticized for the not watching one. games. Yeah. Nobody, nobody is watching most of these teams. They're just arguing about these things. I made some reference to April basketball in the dunked on mock offseason. I forget which player it was who like, oh, oh Taylor Horton Tucker, who I signed with the Spurs. THT, baby. Who then didn't pick up his player option if we were recording the podcast. But the Blazers with Scoot and Dame and Shaden and Jeremy Grant or whatever whatever they're going to do with Anthony Simons, like they'll just have a lot of dudes and they'll probably have an interesting yeah, year. And games. I actually believe that the Blazers maybe could thread the needle to relevance. And if Scoot is... They can thread the needle to relevance. If Scoot is a superstar, I'm not saying that's a likely possibility, but if Scoot is a superstar, Dame, as he ages, fades more to a role-player role, you're telling me this can't happen. You're rolling your eyes at the idea of Dave just, being a role player. No, I'm not rolling my if eyes. If they at could it. play saying, off each other, they could be a better version of CJ and Dame. I mean, Scoot is not that kind of a shooter, first off. Like CJ McCollum is also but, an outstanding three point shooter. But also having a an, a player who can attack the basket maybe better than CJ McCollum could. CJ McCollum was a mid range player. At, sure. at his core. Yeah. No, I, I think that's the expectation for Scoot Henderson. Yeah. So if that's what you can do and have Dame as a shooter, like, I this could work. People are too quick to just be like, two guards? No! But it's such a stupid thing, ultimately. I mean, but, but They're part not of the problem go- is, like, people are so about work. Chris Paul and James Harden worked together. The Rockets were the second best team in the league in 2018 behind a team that had Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. Most teams don't work because their players aren't good enough. You know why it didn't work? It worked, but it, they they weren't happy in those roles. And that's why Chris Paul got traded the next year because James Harden demanded I, he get traded. I think Dame and Scoot could work. I think Dame could actually grow into a role player. Dame is a distributor. Like, uh, look, Dame is more of a distributor than most star He's a distributor. I agree with that. I don't want to disparage Dame. He's a great passer. I don't want to disparage Dame. The, the he's not thing ever he's most underrated. Okay, that is okay fine. We're not talking about passing. You can't pass with the ball not in your hands. The whole idea that you don't Dame, think he can move without the ball. The whole idea that Dame was going to become like a Steph Curry, like activated, like you know, going dating back to when they signed Evan Turner. It's, it's just never, never taken. paired him with the right people. He's not Steph Curry. He's a different player. He's going to have the ball more than Steph Curry is. He's not going to be able to move around like that. But like the other thing is Dame has to embrace playing with younger players. And I don't think that's necessarily happened. Why is he there then? He, he, he's not stupid. I agree. But I, I mean, first off, he, he, he might ask for a trade within yes. the next week. It but, could but happen. I'm also saying, but second off, playing his entire career in Portland. Look, here's what none of this matters. Winning a championship doesn't actually matter. None of this matters. But if you're talking about a career that is to be remembered, playing your entire career, this Kobe got this. Kobe obviously won championships too. Subert got this. Kobe got this. Subert got this. Sadly, Brianna Stewart didn't. Doesn't matter. It's fine. Have your. 4,000 points or whatever in New York City. And she, she seemed reasonably happy when I was there <laughs> on Sunday. Look, we'll see. Just going there to get the throttle by the aces. By the way, did I mention Super and Megan Rapino were courtside at the Liberty Game on Sunday? And uh, introduced on the screen is Sports Legends. Is that I description? Kind of true. Ooh, not inaccurate. Uh, but l- playing your entire career, this I don't mean this to be an old guy take. 
this is actually, this is the freshest perspective ever because the old guy take is that all that matters is championships. What I'm saying is that we I need think to, the middle-aged take is that all that manage, matters in championships. We need to remove ourselves from this concept of championships mattering. All sorts of things matter. Entirely remove ourselves from that. Like, but, but there are different things that matter if, in if, sports. If championships don't matter, then we're all paying attention to this for no, not much reason. What do you mean? We're paying attention to this because the reason, if all that matters is the championships, saying, there's no reason to pay attention to the regular season. There's a difference between championships don't John matter Marzano and all that matters. John punching is, Paul O'Neill. That is what matters. I agree. We can just land somewhere in the middle. There's a lot of middle ground. Between John Marzano punching Paul O'Neill <laughs> and championships because the, the Mariners have not come anywhere near that Super Bowl 48. <laughs> Look, Super Bowl 48 is nice. I love it. Right? But there are moments that probably exceed Super Bowl 48 that happened. You know what I mean? I'm more nostalgic. I'm not nostalgic for a single play in Super Bowl 48. It was just oh. a, it was a game that happened. Jermaine Curse scored a touchdown after you predicted That's it in like great. October. Jermaine Curse scored a lot more important touchdowns. I am more nostalgic for the catch that he had against the Patriots. That feeling of, holy shit, we're going to win back-to-back championships because it was more exciting. I'm telling you, those things matter Percy more. Harvin's championships are a fallacy. Cam Chancellor is hit. Which one? The only hit that I remember that Cam Chancellor had happened against the 49ers. I agree that, that, is that the, was also a memorable play. That is, I remember on, I Cam Chancellor picking off Cam Newton for six, and that was a more important play to me. I, I don't even know what you're Thomas. talking about. He this, hit earlier in the game, too. Just acro- coming across the middle? Yeah. Not a relevant play. But, established a tone for the game. Also, the like the fumble, or the, uh, I'm sorry, the safety on the that opening is the, play. That is the most memorable play of the entire game. It was a safety that the other team had. Anyway, what I'm saying... Something that matters is Damian Lillard playing his entire career with the Blazers, whether he wins a championship or not, being the greatest Portland Trailblazer of all time. But I don't think that he, we should also say that like Damian Lillard needs to play his entire career with the Blazers. To. To like be... GP is the most important song exactly. of all time. That's what I'm going to say. And he finished his career here. But if GP had pay- played two, three more years in Seattle or whatever... If GP had played a little bit longer, it might feel a little bit different. But would you rather the Sonics had not traded Gary Payton for Ray Allen? No, if Ray Allen a... is out there for Damian to trade Damian Lillard for, let's do that shit right now. I, Ray Allen is not, not not out there. I mean, teams he is, are he smarter than they were. Agent. But the other element that teams are smarter than they were is that if you let it get too long, it becomes a Bradley Beal situation. Bradley Beal is a complicated situation. Because it's a terrible contract. Bradley Beal's also hurt all the time. Has a no-trade clause, and he just is not as good as Damian Lillard. At his That's peak. the thing. You talk about this all the time, which is people can fade in their careers, but when you're starting in a really high place, you could fade and still be really good. But, but remember Bradley that- Beal has never in his entire career been anywhere close to as good as Damian Lillard has. I think there have been some years where he's perhaps been close, but... He has never reached the levels that Damian Lillard has, even as recently as last season. I, what I would point out to you, though, is you look at the Damian Lillard extension. I didn't realize you'd have such a long Blazers fight right now. This kind of came out of nowhere. I thought we were going to fight about the Mariners and agree. <laughs> uh, the Damian Lillard extension, one of the, like if you, you want to say a nice thing about Bradley Beal's contract, it doesn't grow as fast as the cap will because the cap's going to go up like 10% year over year here with the new TV deal. Damian Lillard's contract that kicks in in 2025 goes up to basically the max that he's that's, able to make. That's fine because the Suns aren't going to win the championship either, and they're going to not win the championship with random players. 
You know what I mean? Devin Booker is there. The, the point is not the Suns. The point is the Wizards, who could have gotten a lot for Bradley Beal, even as recently as the 2022 trade deadline, and ended up getting a lot of second-round picks and Chris Paul, who they flipped into Jordan Poole. I just I don't know if that's how you can look at it. Because there's always a moment with a star player when you can get a lot for that star player. But there's there's also a last moment where you can get a lot for that star player. I Look, ultimately, if the Blazers trade Dame, I will still think that is a good move. I want Dame to be happy wherever he is. He is, since the Sonics, Sonics left, the most important basketball player that I've ever paid attention to. Right? I care more about Damian Lillard. Brandon Roy erasure. I, I, fuck Brandon Roy. Like... I, Brandon Roy was great, but it was such a short period of time. Dave Lillard also is just a better basketball player. Sure. Obviously, not fuck Brandon Roy. But, like, <laughs> but it's not the same. I've had a lot more fun watching Dame Lillard than I have watching Brandon Roy in the last decade. In the last decade? Like, you mean over the last decade compared to Brandon Roy's career? Or no, literally in the last decade. Well, yeah. Brandon That's what Roy I'm hasn't saying. played I, basketball in the last decade. Brandon Roy is basically part of, like, the 90s generation. What? Like, the time, Brandon Roy was not that much of a basketball player after the Sonics left. It was a short snippet of time. Yeah, it was a short snippet of time where the the team that we more or less adopted had Mr. Sonic as their head coach and maybe our all-time favorite UW men's basketball player I, as their star. I will also say... It was say, a pretty amazing moment. Talking about moments that we remember, the, the Huskies, they, they were a number one seed. Right? Kind yes. of brutal. I don't really remember. Like, it was like, beat Montana. Don't really care. Like, that's just glad not to lose. That whole NCAA tournament was fine. It was whatever. The moment that they were announced as a number one seed is a moment I'll remember. And Brandon Roy playing against Gonzaga and Arizona that year. Those were the two best college basketball games that I have ever been to in my entire life. Literally, it can We cannot. I cannot. You're saying that's it. why you follow college basketball? I mean, it's it dates back to Nate Robinson a little bit earlier. Yeah. But, like, B-Roy in those games was at another level of basketball. And you know what? It still fucking sucked. He fouled out. <laughs> <laughs> they fouled Brandon Roy out of one of those games. I mean, I think back to... That's, second... that's why college basketball is bad, though. They took away a memory that could have mattered because they were like, oh, these five fouls. We can't have players I agree. out there. I agree. We're not talking about college basketball right now. <sighs> The second game I attended in Winning Portland after the Sonics moved, Brandon Roy hit a game-winning three in overtime to there beat the go. Rockets. And also the 23-point fourth quarter against Dallas in his second-to-last, I, yeah, I think his second-to-last home game in Portland before his brief retirement. Uh, I mean, that's an indelible, that to me is the moment that's bigger than championships. I mean, it's right up there to me with the Dave Lillard game winner, series winner oh against OKC. No, it's like there's no Portland moment when I think about it that I get tingly, but Dame hitting the three over Paul George. Come on, that's like one of the, it's one of the best moments in Seattle history. <laughs> and it didn't even happen here. Not going to dispute it. You can't tell me that's not the case. Not going to dispute it. All right, so Dame Lillard, if he plays his entire career, there, again, Kobe is, no matter what happened after, Kobe is the most important athlete in Los Angeles history. He is more important than Magic. Los Angeles history. I think he's the most important in Lakers history. I don't. I can't speak conclusively. What sport enough. do you think matters more in Los Angeles, where they didn't have a professional football team for decades at a time? The Dodgers. It's not the same. 
Yeah, it probably is Kobe, I guess. What is it? The Fernando Valenzuela? Like <laughs> that thought, yes. <laughs> Shohei in Anaheim? Like, I'm sorry, but Sandy Kofax? Did he play in Brooklyn? Or was he in LA? I I do not know the timeline of the move from Brooklyn to LA well enough to know that. Kobe Bryant is the most important player in Los Angeles history. And if he'd been traded to the Bulls, that may still be the case. No, it would not be the case. But no. It, it, may be still be, it may still be the case. It probably would be magic. Uh, he did apparently play in Brooklyn. Did he ever play in LA? No, he played in, yeah, he finished his career in LA, okay. but they moved mid during his career. So There's like some college, like uh, having college also, right? Like Kareem playing at UCLA and with the Lakers. But like to any person. Still not as beloved. Uh, I mean, it's not with all due respect to Kareem. So. And part of that is him playing his entire career in LA. And I yeah. think Dame might understand that. Okay. That's all I'm saying. For everybody who's so there's so people are so fucking quick to just trade players off in the NBA because you gotta get assets. And there's more than just getting assets. You know what I mean? But where, sometimes where you end Pelicans up not right playing your entire career with that team and you don't get the assets. Sure. Bradley Beal doesn't fucking matter though. I'm sorry. Bradley Beal does not matter. Kevin Durant doesn't matter anywhere. Kevin Durant matters more in Seattle I mean, than Brooklyn, he does. Bradley, Brooklyn, Bradley Beal played almost as many years in D.C. as he just played in didn't Portland. Play as well. Yeah, like that's that's the reality, though. Damian Lillard matters in the city of Portland. I agree. <sighs> so New York food. It's all fucking people on Reddit trading off Damian Lillard. Just fucking. Get over it. On Friday night. All right. At this dinner where Tim Bontemps got recognized <laughs> afterwards. Uh, we went to the Gugu Room, which is a... The Gugu Room? <laughs> very 31 similar BB? To, very similar. Not to be confused. Uh, on the Lower East Side, which was like Filipino-Japanese fusion. And like there were a couple of plates that we got that maybe weren't exemplary. Everything was good. I, I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, the spam fries were a highlight. Uh, I'm, I'm, spam fries? Yeah, they I had like... Spam on fries. Well, no, they had like spam cut up into oh, a little okay. fry like... Got it. Uh, let's see. And then the uh, kare kare, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, was quite outstanding. I, it was definitely like we all enjoyed the meal tremendously. Uh, Saturday for lunch went to Emily in Brooklyn, which is a pizza spot that is also known for its burger. Uh, did not have the burger. Uh, my friend Eden had already had it a few weeks back, and it didn't seem like a, a me style burger. It's like a very thick patty. So even though it's like dry aged and extremely touted, I still didn't know. But had also heard Stick to pizza in New York. Had also heard. That the karaage that they have was oh. life changing. Really? And I had it. It's gochujang flavored, like spiced. And he was maybe the maybe up there with the best fried chicken I've had in my life. Really? Yeah. It was like so perfectly cooked. It was incredible. What type? Do you get a thigh? What do you? I mean, karaage is. I think it's made of thighs, but it's, it's like you know cut up into thigh. the smaller boneless pieces, and okay. then 
That's the Japanese style fried chicken. And we had some kara alge during our search, but nothing that rose to this level, I would say. I, again, it was just perfectly cooked. There was a homemade ranch, like house-made ranch that came with it that was nice. incredible. It was a dipping In sauce. In Japanese style. Yeah, yes. Uh-huh. Classic, classic tradition. Uh, the pizza was good, but the kara alge was outstanding there. All right. Sunday. Okay. I took as a direct challenge from you, Tristan Carasino. Wow. To find good donuts. Oh, my God. In New York City. And I feel like I did. Uh, it was again in Brooklyn because this was before I went to you the went Liberty to Game at Park Place Center. Donut Plant. Did I, go? I didn't go there. You did not. Okay. I mean, I looked at the menu. It definitely was not one of the places you went. They did not specialize in enormous donuts. Uh, I had a couple of donuts. I had the creme, the, their specialty is a creme brulee, which I did not expect to be filled, but was. Okay. And it was a little on the small side. Donut but plant? Donut plant. D- and, and D-O-U-G-H. Well, all donut. the best donuts are spelled that way. Yes. No, not all the best. Uh, so that was quite outstanding. It was a little on the small side, but perfectly delicious. Also had a peanut butter and jelly filled. It was kind of like a square ring. I don't know if that's I see it right there. contradictory. Yeah. Uh, and it tasted just like a PBJ. It was really an incredible facsimile. Donuts so. of the Gods by New York Times slash Zach Lowe. So, <laughs> <laughs> so next time you go to Moab, Brooklyn, Utah, not or, that one. <laughs> not the one who lives in New York. I think they have multiple locations in the, in the New York area. It's not just in Brooklyn. So next time you go to New York, you have to check out Donut Plant and see whether you agree that, Brooke, that New York can, in fact, do good donuts. Okay. So... I think that that's all I had for New York food, but I definitely was excited to prove you, Tristan Carasino, wrong about that. I did I say that every donut in New York was bad? Yes, look pretty good. They, I mean, they look good because they are good. Fresh blueberry sour donut. Uh, I, I they never got, got a, sour donuts now. I never did a re- saw a review, but Eden did the Goza donuts. The there's like a cheese donut, Ooh, which basically yes. I had a little bite of that pasted like cheese bread. It was kind of wild. It was not very donut to me at all, but uh, it, it was well done. So That donut. sounds great to me. Well, what are these? They've got donuts where it's like a donut on top and like a bunch of, is that what it was? A donut ice cream sandwich. Those are donut ice cream sandwiches. I did not have those, but they do look quite good. Man, I should have gone here. Yeah, are you free? Just trying to see freaking... Well, sadly, while I was in New York over the weekend, one of the events I missed (laughs) was the Champions of Change All-Star Basketball Game, and it's time to recap that. Last Friday was a huge day for Third Pelton Brother Jake One. Not only did his new album with Seattle artist Travis Thompson, Wolves and White Tees, drop, he also was part of the Champions of Change All-Star Basketball Game. Jake... Is this, where does this rank among the greatest days of your life? Um, man, you know, I was really thinking about this because just the, just being a kid going to the Coliseum and watching the Sonics, and that just being like, you know, one of my favorite memories of you know my life and stuff like that, and how much that meant to me to be able to get on that court and just shoot around was crazy. Um, and then to get play in a game and you know get benched by Gary Payton, <laughs> who was like my childhood hero. 
um, get yelled at by Gary Payton. It was all special. I mean, this is like everything you would have expected it to be. Okay, take wow. us beside the scenes. What, what I know, was Gary yeah, Payton yelling, yelling at? Yelled at by Gary Payton. What's funny? I mean, he. I wouldn't say he was yelling at me specifically. He was just, it was, you know, it's kind of what you'd expect the Gary Payton coaching mantra to be. It was a lot of like, you know, play some defense, man. Get the ball, <laughs> man. Quit turning over, man. Um, what was another one? Uh, there was a couple. It, everything was followed by main. Um, <laughs> and yeah, he, uh, you know, Sue Bird was supposed to be helping out with the coaching duties. She clearly was like, I'm not messing with that. I'm good. <laughs> she tapped out real quick on that. Um, but yeah, it was just thoroughly entertaining, man. Like, we were <laughs> just being in the locker room with all these guys. Like, oh, why am I here? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, take us through the teams. I don't know if I, I saw a specific set of rosters for the so two sides. On the surface, my team definitely should not have had a chance. I mean, uh, our team was – Doug Baldwin was our captain. Um, I don't think he did a great job drafting. Um, he didn't – He our team turned out all right. But, you know, it was Doug, Spencer Hawes, Rodney Stuckey, who I hadn't seen in a long time. Um this amazing uh, women's player from Stanford, Cameron Brink. Oh my God, she she made me a fan just watching her and just how she was carrying herself. The amount of shit she was talking, it was special. Um, Possible 2023 Seattle Storm first round pick. Cameron I mean, Brink. she's got to be like one of the top picks of the draft, right? Yeah. I mean, she, yeah. This was not normal. She was like six seven or some shit, and you know, hitting sidestep threes and talking shit to Sherman, and you know, just it was pretty nuts. Um, who else was on my team? Uh, Mariner pitcher Charlie Furbush. He got benched. Me and him spent a lot of time <laughs> on the bench together. So yeah, it was it was him. Brian Walters um, was also on our team at the Seahawks. Um, I think Jerron Johnson. Um, one of the guys from Love Is Blind. I think Kwame. No, nah, my other name. <laughs> um, um, who else? Uh, oh, this girl uh, Katie, who's. Uh, Place for Garfield, really good. Uh, going to Oregon, boo. Yeah, just yeah, just announced that player, commitment man. over the weekend. Yeah, I, think. I mean, good for her. She, actually, I'm gonna be rooting for her. But um, so that was our team. I might be missing somebody. Their team was Isaiah Thomas, Jamal Crawford, Will Conroy, <laughs> um, Mike Bennett, um, uh, Averill, um. Some of the other ones, I wasn't sure who they were. Um, they had some comedian dudes that they just kept putting out there. I was like, damn, they're, they're playing their guy. They're playing everybody on their team. GP, not of that. Uh, that was Adam Ray, right? Adam Ray, there you go. Um, I, I can't remember who else was on their team. Um, that was like, oh, Sherman. Richard Sherman was on the other team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you would have lined us up, it would have looked pretty bad for us. But somehow we were winning uh, by like seven with a minute left, and we uh, kind of folded, I guess, and missed some free throws. And they did some uh, some cheating, I think, and they <laughs> somehow went. Jamal hit like a three to put it to overtime. Of course he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I played maybe five or six minutes in the first half, and then GP benched everybody, including Brian Walters, who was like really good, and a couple you, other guys that were actually good. You play it all players. in the second half? I didn't play at all in the second half. But oh, my neither, God. Neither did Brian Walters or Furbush or – he put in – all right, I'll just put it like this. He put in the dude from Love is Blind over Brian Walters. He's <laughs> like, 
a professional athlete. You know what I mean? Like definitely the, the white guys were on the bench during the second half. I mean, you know, <laughs> might have been some profiling going on. You know, I, I've got many a text uh, about that when I got got off the court. Uh, but I, I would have wanted to play in the third when the fourth came, and I started seeing Sherman and Mike. Mike, uh, you know, Mike's my boy. That's how I even played Mike Bennett. Um, when I started seeing them fouling people hard, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of cool being on the bench because <laughs> I don't think I would have survived that. Um, you just had a, an amazing seat by that point. Yeah, I was I was having fun. Um, but yeah, it was it was a trip, man. I don't know, it, was, it was just it was very strange. I mean, I don't think I played in front of more than 500 people since high school. So like, <laughs> just even that alone was strange. I mean, I've been on stage in front of a lot of people, but I kind of know what I'm doing. Who was the coach of the other team? Was it? Jamal uh, Martellus, uh, Mar- Martellus Bennett, who okay. who uh, is also a friend of mine who uh, declared for the NBA draft out of high school, the same yep. class as Martell Webster. And I can't remember who else he said, who is not playing basketball because he's working on his samurai skills. Mm, so that makes sense. Yeah, we didn't we didn't get him out there on the on the uh, on the court, but he was the coach <laughs> on the other. Mike <laughs> Bennett's dad got a couple minutes. <laughs> Jewel Lloyd was the other coach. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they they spread they played everybody like throughout they the They played game. everybody. I mean, the comedian dude was out there. I mean, they were throwing and, and guys were throwing up shots too. I mean, let's let's not get it twisted. They were showing when I was in the game, I was not playing. I was playing with the B team for sure, university. <laughs> Maybe Doug was out there and I think uh Charlie uh Furbush. But like the ball just didn't find me. I had like one block steal, I got the ball and I passed it. Never came back. Okay, so uh, you you did not take a shot in the game, I, and, and and I will say, in warmups, I probably hit like eighty percent of my shots. It really? felt I felt good. I would have made some shots. I think. Okay, tell, who, who did tell you what? defend? Yeah, who did you defend? I defended. See, I'm not good with soccer, but I think the guy's name was Lamar. Lamar Nagel. Nagel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Away natives, long time sound. So, Lamar Nagel on like the second possession. I saw the look in his eyes. And I'm like, oh shit, he's about to sprint. How am I going to do this? So, <laughs> See, I told you last week about soccer players. You always he know the soccer players at pickup. He took off on my ass, man. And and I managed to stay with him. It was kind of shocking. I was like, yo, my legs are still here. I'm like still <laughs> upright. And uh, yeah, he, he made a move and I stripped the ball from him. But you know, wow, that was okay. I, even, I I got so bored. I started boxing out and stuff. I was like doing, you know, things I don't normally do on basketball court. <laughs> It was, uh, was on some Arnie Duncan shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> tell tell us about about your game generally. Like, let's say that you played the full game. Let's say the ball the ball got to you more. What are you are are you a sharpshooter? That's that's all I do. I mean, I okay. just shoot. Yeah, I can't. I mean, I could dribble a little bit. Pretty good passer. Shooting. That's it. And pretty much, yeah, mostly threes at this point. I mean. I know we were doing the layup line, and I was like, wow, I don't remember taking, like, a regular layup in so long, just <laughs> attempting a left-handed layup. Like, that was weird. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I had a lot of my friends that played with me were like, man, you should have been out there. Like, and, and yeah, but, like, it is funny. At halftime, Jamal's like, man, you got to go take the ball. And I'm like, I'm not taking the ball from Doug Baldwin. It's his game. Like, <laughs> Supposed to push him out the way and be like, nah, I got this. I don't I didn't want that <laughs> either. So take the ball. <laughs> it's just it was, honestly, it's great to have Jamal Crawford tell you that. <laughs> Even if it didn't I mean, happen, I just think he ball. wanted me to look stupid, honestly. <laughs> he was like, Man, I thought you had a jumper. Where where are you at? 
I'm like, man, I even touched the ball. He's like, you got sometimes you got to go get the ball. <laughs> when you're Jamal Crawford, that is true. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, you know, you're kind of it's kind of like your thing, you know. I just be like me telling him, man, go play, go play that court on stage. Probably wouldn't go well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I bet DJ Trunks, who is DJing the game, the DJ for the Kraken and the Storm, okay. uh, on Sunday right after y'all had played, and I was like, oh, do you know Jake? Jake won. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, how did he play in the game? And he responded, Jake one is an excellent DJ. And <laughs> at that point, that's how I knew. I was like, oh, man, maybe Jake didn't score any buckets in this one. But it sounds to I me just, like the ball just didn't hit your hands. I just didn't get the opportunity. But, you know, I mean, who knows? I might have missed some, too. I mean, it just it, – it was just – it was like – you know, some good basketball players and some bad ones. So, you know, it's not always going to be a fluid game. Um, they were playing hard, man. Doug was really trying to win. So, I mean, I don't know. He might have intercepted like six or seven passes. Like, he was trying hard. They were going all out. My, I thought Mike Bennett could have injured Cameron Brink, the girl from Stanford. They were on a fast break, and I was like, ooh, is this going to go bad? Like, it just didn't look like it was going to be a good outcome. <laughs> but, you know, she's – She's tough. She took she took the foul and, and just did not care. So so my whole understanding of what happened at the end of this game is from third Pelton brother, Mike Sean Dugar's account on Twitter from sitting courtside wearing sunglasses in the front row. <laughs> they cheated. I mean, essentially. So there was apparently a coach's challenge with 12 seconds left. I didn't know this was part of the rules. In, I don't think anybody in, did. Yeah. In the celebrity <laughs> game. How did they review something? Not not only was it a coach's challenge, every time that like one of their guys got fouled that was a football player, they had Jewel Lloyd shoot the free throws. <laughs> Whoa, okay. Because we fair. know Sherm was not about to make two free throws like in that situation. So yeah, it was it was a little they're playing a little loose with the rules, you know, for sure. For sure. But Sherm did apparently tie the game with a half second left. I think it was Eh, was it April? I don't know. I don't know. We fell apart so bad. It was just like, you know, and this, you know, you know, our, our fearless leader, GP, man, he just didn't make the right adjustments and, you know, could have thrown maybe the NFL uh, athletes still in good shape. Walter's on the floor instead of the guy from Love is Blind. I mean, that might have helped. You know, might have got out to a bigger lead. But I like that your criticism is not not playing you, but it's about not playing Brian. Rogers. I was more offended for him because I'm like, come on, you're like a real athlete. Like, I feel like I've actually heard that Brian Walters is a really good basketball player too. Well, I did see him last year because he played. He scored like eight points in the first half and was like clearly a good basketball player, and then he was just like, nah, he got to sit down. And then of course uh, Spencer sat out the second half because he had like a band trip that he didn't want to get hurt for. So. Bandit Dunes is like a golf resort. So, you know, I, I feel him. I would have probably done the same thing. Oh, that, uh, is, that is a very Spencer Haas thing. The sentence. most Spencer Haas thing to do. <clears throat> so, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a lot of, lot of crazy, you know, unexpected twists. Um, it was weird being in the locker room. And I was like, hold on. like, And I was like, damn, these, what if you have to pee? Like, this is like a long-ass run to, to take a piss, like, in the middle of the game. I guess you're just done. <laughs> these are the things you don't think about until you're on the back you do not think about it. all them guys brought like extra change of clothes and everything it was taking a shower i'm like man i don't go to a place to take a shower i'm like out of there you know what i mean i'm playing in a <laughs> random gym somewhere <laughs> they came to play so, yeah it was, I, it was interesting it was super interesting 
I feel like that's what I'm most impressed with, though, is that the the level of competition was actually higher. A lot of these celebrity games, right? It's like the All-Star game or something. Right. But it sounds like the finish was at least interesting. They were trying. I mean, they were trying for sure. And I think, you know, I don't I think a lot of those guys aren't necessarily basketball players, but they're still professional athletes, even if they're not in shape. They still just got that pride. They don't want to lose, you know. And Jamal Crawford hits the game-winning three to decide this I one. Mean, in overtime. Yeah, man, it was kind of it was kind of made sense. You know what I mean? He's that's what he does. He's, I've seen him do it many a time. So, and he has. I mean, he was telling me he hasn't even been playing a lot since he's on TV so much now. He's getting into his uh, hoop time, you know, playing a lot for Jamal Crawford is like I'm not playing three times a day. Might be right. not playing a lot for him. I think he said he's only been playing like once or twice a week, which okay. for him is like crazy, right? That's not normal. Well, um, if you'd listen to his advice, that could have been you, Jake. <laughs> I know, man. You know, I, I I I did like, you know, at first I was, I'm not going to lie, I was a little rattled the first couple of times up and down the court. And I was like, hold on, these guys aren't even like, they're not overwhelming like that. You know what I mean? It wasn't like that. So, um. Yeah, the ball just didn't find me. You know, I, I'm I'm a lobby Mike to play again next year. I, I mean, he, I didn't even – he asked me to play in this thing, and I was like, damn, am I going to be an embarrassment? I had all these things going through my head. Like, do I want to do this? It's not like – like, yeah, I play basketball, but, I mean, against professional athletes? I don't know. I mean, every <laughs> once in a while I might see a professional athlete out there. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say it was, like, overwhelming on that level, but. I've seen you play with Trevon Edwards, who was a professional basketball player once upon a time. <laughs> no way. Yeah, he, he got paid. Yeah, he, he okay. played in the G League yeah, for I guess a minute. If you ever withdrew a check anywhere, you're a professional basketball player. Yeah, I like exactly. that. I like that. When you're describing this experience, like 20 years from now, you know it comes up. Hey, hey, I, I maybe we're the ones say, telling people, hey, did you know he once played in a celebrity basketball <laughs> game? What, what's going to be the sentence you use to describe it? Uh, damn, sentence. I would say, I mean, my daughter was just like, I'd say that the biggest thing was like, my daughter was like, you were by far the oldest person on the court. <laughs> that that was, that's, that was my takeaway. Um, and you know, next year I might get a trainer. I might like, you know, might get serious about this so I could play like seven minutes next year and maybe get a shot. Yeah. Maybe, you know? We'll see. Benched by Gary Payton. I mean, that's pretty cool too. I mean, and and you know, it's my, one of my childhood heroes. So like, did didn't like exactly get yelled at by him, but it wasn't wasn't shower of praise either. So you know, it's like kind of kind of fifty fifty. I will say Adam Ray is forty one, so not by that that far. Okay, you and I felt like he wouldn't have had no chance against me. So like, that makes uh. sense, right? Like. I was like, I need to guard him, not the fucking soccer players. These fast as shit. Okay. So, you got to get Martellus to draft you next year. We're gonna figure that out. I'm gonna I'm gonna lobby, do some lobbying behind the scenes. You know, this is my first time doing something like this. Uh, you know, even like the uh, you know people were like wearing their outfits to come in the tunnel to get filmed and shit. I'm, I'm not thinking about this. Like, <laughs> this is not like this <laughs> not part of the plan when I go do anything. So. It was it was super interesting. All of it, it was cool. It was an honor to be even be out there. You see my name on the jumbotron, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, all, all of all of it was cool. 
All right, tell us about this album and how the collaboration with Travis came together. So, new album with Travis Thompson. I produced the whole album. I had a couple of friends co-produce with me, um, including one DJ Khalil. I'm going to relate it all the way back to Seattle Sonics' folklore. DJ Khalil is one of my best friends. He's a good basketball player. More importantly, his dad was Walt Hazard, who is an original Sonic. Ah, there wow. you go. Okay, so, Nice. Tied it right in for you. But yeah, the album is uh, something I've been working on with Travis for like, I don't know, last year or so. Um, it was really spearheaded by the titan of management, Wu-Sang management. <laughs> it was kind of his idea. Um, he brought it to me. I was like, third yeah, brother. Another third Pelton brother. You know, so, you know <laughs> me and him, we, we have our, you know, little bit of quarrels, you know, over, you know, some, some history with Taco Time. But um yeah it was kind of it was kind of like brought to me by him because i you know i didn't know what travis had going on necessarily and came together and it seems to be you know getting a lot of love so yeah it's exciting it's 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 cool to do something with somebody from seattle like that's that's exciting to me too yeah, yeah for sure I'm, I'm learning from wikipedia that dj khalil not only walt hazard's son was born in seattle while he was playing he was Sonics. born in seattle for sure so i always you know we're claiming him that's why i always tell him um he hasn't been up here in a while but yeah, he he came to town one time. He's like staying with Fred Brown's family. You know, it's like these are the people he was around, <laughs> you know, as, as babies and stuff. So that's all right. You've been benched by Gary Payton, so you're kind of on the same level. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, not not too different. I mean, <laughs> I actually was around Gary Payton at Jamal Crawford's wedding, um, and I feel like he was kind of like doing the same thing there. He was just being Gary Payton. Like it's kind of what you would expect him to be. Um, yeah. So yeah, but the Travis album came out Friday. Um, streaming on all platforms, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Logic is on the album. Nice. Jay Worthy's on the album. I don't think any of those guys have sports ties. Maybe. I don't <laughs> think so. Um, Eric from Flatbush Zombies is on the album, and I'm probably missing somebody. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's doing well. And Honestly, I mean, to me, he's like somebody I met early on when he first started, and I just liked his energy. I just, I just liked how excited he was, and that he was doing something new. I'm not gonna lie, I, I listened to him because his album was called Ambomb. I just thought that was uh -huh. interesting that somebody was repping that area, because like you know my my generation, there wasn't a rapper I heard of from that area of town, so that was cool. It's definitely the most successful artist from White Center of all time. Has to be. You never know. It might, you know, it's it, people come from everywhere. We little Mosey came from Molly Terrace, so you just that never. Is, know. Yeah, that's true. It's it's wide open now. We're in a different space, you know. Like the the old way of thinking is is gone. That was good for us as being being from basically White Center. Having somebody rep White Center was freaking huge. I mean, it was cool that like, and not only. I mean, there's. I feel like there's been people from areas that aren't necessarily celebrated like that, but. He repped it. Do you know what I mean? He yeah, was owning yeah. it. And, no, and Ambom. This is like, damn. All right. Yeah. I've, that's I've part been, of the charm. I've been to that AMPM or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> uh, are you all playing any shows together? Um, I don't know, man. That's, I mean, I, you know, I don't really, I've been really not wanting to do that many shows. Like, I'll do some tuxedo stuff here and there, but like, I just, man, I just feel too old to get up there with the rapper and do all that. Like, especially when it's some like young jumping around shit. I don't want to like hurt my Achilles, like <laughs> jumping up and down on stage. And then I can't swing the golf club or something like that would be devastating. Yeah. So um, we'll see though. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I'll pop up at some of the things he's doing. Sick. 
Okay, last important question. The album cover, the two of you standing, is this the Bellevue side of Lake Washington with the skyline Come in the background? On. We would never stand on the Bellevue side of okay. Lake Washington. Well, you couldn't, I guess that's the uh, Bellevue skyline. I, facing oh. Bellevue, yeah, facing Bellevue. Uh, where yeah. is that? It's, uh, they call it the T-Docks. Uh, it's kind of like, I guess, right past Madrona Beach a little bit. Not an area I know at all. Uh, Madrona, Leshai, somewhere somewhere down there. It's like in between those two places. But yeah, kind of like an iconic spot. I mean, I drive Lake Washington every day. I just find a way because I feel like it's one of the perks of living over here. So um, it was just, you know, it's just one of those things. Every city doesn't have that. So it's cool to, to throw something like that on the cover. And the old school Seahawks puffy coat, very nice. Yeah, and I, and I, I actually hadn't worn that since I worn it in my video uh, for Home that was on White Band Music. So, Damn, and okay. you know, the funny thing about that coat is that was a coat when I was a kid, or I guess in high school. Those, if you had that jacket, you just basically had to be prepared to fight for it at all times. Like somebody was <laughs> going to try to take it off you. So, it's it's, it's now in a different time. This is not like you know the hot coat of the day. So it's always funny to me when I put that thing on. Just. I'm still kind of feel like I got to look around, you know. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Jake. Uh, so excited you got to be benched by Gary Payton and uh, a, a huge day, certainly. So again, Wolves and White Tees anywhere, st streaming everywhere. And, and we'll maybe we'll start like a, a, what do they call those? Like online campaigns? Like, Go you know, money? people do like, no, nah, not, not a for money what? thing. More more like a campaign to give me more minutes next year. Change.org. Oh, yeah. Change.org. Okay. Yeah. Change.org. Give Jake more minutes. Let Petition Jake to Gary Payton to give Jake more Let minutes. Let Jake touch the ball. Like, <laughs> Well, you passed it, though, right? I did. I did. Yeah. You, you just, yeah. was it early in your time on the court that you. Maybe like the third possession. I mean, it was also running clock. So we were only maybe out there like six or seven possessions. Mm -hmm. And after after the soccer player dude put the afterburners on me, that that used up a lot of energy. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. Yeah, my, yeah. Uh, my player meter was very low <laughs> yeah. after chasing him down and you know, shockingly him not beating me all the way down the court. Oh, Do you feel another like you were thing open for snipe three. Sorry, no, I want to hear this. I was, thing. I was actually, I was, I was. I hate a couple that times. when you're People, standing wide open and yeah. nobody finds you, and you're just like, I was gonna hit that. It just, it just wasn't that kind of game. So there was another pretty funny thing that happened on my time on the court. I was guarding uh, Lamar, and Jamal was coming up to center, and I was like, oh shit, he's coming right at me, <laughs> and he threw the ball off the backboard, and I was like, oh no, this is, uh, I. <laughs> I'm just glad he's older. That's all I could say. I'm glad he's older and I wasn't on the poster, but there was a good like flash of a half second. That I thought like, oh shit. <laughs> all right. On that note, Jake, thanks so much for joining us. Peace guys. Amazing stuff from Jake. Not on the court, of course. <laughs> he did coconut, the coconut cream. He did be good. Uh, with that, it's time for, your favorite segment. Don't burn yourself. We got Mariners hot takes coming at ya. I'm calling it. Today, June 28th, 2023. The season is over. I'll be honest. I was holding out hope secretly. Julio would put it together. Everyone else would regress to the mean. And it's a sad moment when you realize 
there is no 14 game win streak coming. I even if I, even as I say it, I'm still a little bit thinking that it's happening, but it's not. There is no huge all-star celebration for the Mariners. The problem was you. Oh, what? <laughs> not you, not you ESPN's Kevin Pelton senior. Oh, writer. okay. You the fan for having expectations of the Seattle Mariners. Let me say that sentence to you and you tell me if it feels right. The Seattle Mariners should make the playoffs. No, not just I mean they were I remember Rick Riz talking about them as a World Series contender as I was walking into the stadium on opening day. The Seattle Mariners are World Series contenders. There it is. There it is. Does that feel right to you? No. Something about that doesn't sit right. Much like there are analysts out there saying the Lions will win a playoff game this year. I've seen them. I hear you, Mina. Some things just never happen. This is the sound of me officially giving up hope. Let me tell you something, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. So I'm done. Done with these Mariners. All of the secret hope, even the one that I'm still a little bit harboring. The counting of games back in the wild card. That if we could just string together some series wins when it's not against the Nationals. The offense is just about to turn the corner. It was a foolish thing having hope in the Mariners for the 2023 season. And I'm not making that mistake again. I'm done. This reminds me, it's almost the exact same time. This happened on July 4th. I specifically remember it. The year that I ruled the Sounders out of the playoffs. <laughs> that might have been the year they won MLS Cup. That's, that's you're giving me hope again. I, Don't you dare do that. The thing that's, that's really irking me, I didn't quite write this up as a hot take. Okay. But like everyone's like, oh, you know, was so excited when Cal Raleigh said the other night, like, we're just not a good baseball team or whatever <laughs> he said. And like booing the Mariners after they lost today and their their did they season, get booed series, today? Uh, they did. Yes. That really takes a lot to get people to boo you at a day game because people are half there at a day game. <laughs> it's like getting I don't know, fired on your day off. On it's the like other hand, getting booed on a day game. On the other hand, people are there to get day drunk. Yeah, you're day drunk and hung over and by mad, the end of the game. <laughs> mad. The Mariners are basically just as good a team as they were last year. All that's changed is their luck. Like, to have a plus 22 run differential and be three games under 500, Scott Service isn't talking about fun differential. Plus 22. Are you kidding me? They just, it, I hate that they just, they'll fucking, like, blow out a team. Yeah, 11 nothing against four the Yankees. To one. You're just like, no, it's do not. that all the time. It's and then not. the pitcher throws a perfect game in the next game. Did you know that that happened? I, I was aware. I, I looked that up. It's it's not that they're losing four to one. It's that they're losing four to three in ten innings because they are four and eight in extra inning games after going eleven and five last year, including two losses in the past week. In those, they are eight and fifteen in one run games after going thirty four and twenty two last year. It's like this entire season has been a karmic correction for everything that went right last year, including the health. Because guess what? Penn Murphy is set to undergo surgery to repair his UCL damage, and Marco Gonzalez has now been shut down from throwing for the next two weeks after experiencing nerve irritation in his left forearm and elbow. 
I mean, they've actually gotten like some pretty incredible starts from players from Double A, but for sure. But the 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 injury hell like the injury luck on the pitching staff could not possibly have gone a bigger one eighty from last year. Here, here was the thought that I had. I didn't do this as an official hot take, but there are a lot of people out there mad at the Mariners front office for not spending this offseason. And I get it. I was one of those people. And one by one, I pulled up the biggest contracts of the offseason. And in order, by size of contract, each of them is a bigger bomb than the previous one. <laughs> the amount of players who were signed to 300 plus million dollar deals this offseason who have an under 700 OPS and maybe one win is a shocking number. The reality is by the time, look, this is not a good thing for the marketplace. We're living in a capitalistic society and baseball ain't it because by the time you hit free agency as an MLB player and demand a 10-year contract, you're kind of washed by year one. Manny Machado's Aaron, Aaron Judge is the exception to this, right? Like he's injured that, right now, that's but an he's still perform. But he's also injured. That's an extension. Free agents. Every, he signed it during free agency. Every single Free agent. It's not like the Nikola Vucevic deal was wildly different because he signed it as an extension on June 28th. But also, of waiting I mean, you're talking about one outlier, and it's maybe the best hitter in baseball, the sure. most American League home runs well, of there, all time. There's there's an outlier in next year's free agency. I don't think the Mariners are going to get him, but there is an the, outlier. It's a billion dollar outlier. I'm telling you, it is a billion dollar contract. That is the number, in my opinion. That is the only number that it would take to, for a team like the Mariners to sign. Look, Mina Kimes does not think that he should make that much money. Why? This is a joke about what was going on on Twitter today. You, you didn't see it. You don't get the reference. Uh, but it was like Manny Machado, Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, all of these deals, Justin Verlander, Jacob deGrom, every single one of them you could go through. And it's like, these are all players. There's so many players. You can cherry pick the you did, one You didn't player. even mention. Who? Mitch Haniger. Mitch Haniger. Like, it's like they could have traded for Luis Arias, who's hitting almost 400. But if you could just go through and be like, there's 40 bad things that happened this offseason, but the Mariners should have done the one right thing. It's like, no, yeah. that's not how this works. I do think long-term that, like, Trey Turner's going to be fine. I think a lot of these players, Manny Machado's going to be fine. These players are having bad starts to their season. I can't really say exactly why that's happening, that it's every single free agent, including Teoscar. Colton Wong just like... Pfft, like his career is over, right? Shouts to the home run, but <laughs> the listener, the home run, <laughs> the sunny day. <laughs> oh, it's sunny now. I know. Just remember when we had shouts to the sunny day? <laughs> but I, I don't understand why every single player who was a free agent has just become consistently awful this season, right? It's like it, it should not be as bad as it is. There is a curse going on, and the Mariners are also part of it. Some but if what you're saying is that the agency. Mariners should have spent more money, and you're like, they should have signed any of these players. Literally, you drop Trey Turner in this roster with the season he is having right now, because the complaint is not two years from now, three years from now, four years from now. The complaint is this year. Right. You drop Trey Turner in that roster, he is worth less wins than J.P. Crawford. I mean, they could have played both of them and moved J.P. Crawford to second. But yes, point taken. It's just that I don't think there was a move to be made. Sometimes two things can be true at the same time, that Jerry, Dep Jerry DePoto did not put together a good enough offseason to improve the Mariners, and they shouldn't have spent money on these players. Yeah. Both of those things are true at the same or time. Mariners' ownership can be cheap, and they dodged and, a lot of yes, bad contracts. Because right now, if the Mariners had the record that they had— 
and they owed somebody $350 million over 11 years, we would be like, this is one of the biggest fuck-ups of all time. They went all in on a year when you shouldn't have gone all in. Kind of the Blazers roster. There's no Scoot Henderson on the Mariners. Fair. You don't get to take your way. It's good picks. Julio is still Scoot, but like... That... Hulu. So I also want to mention Julio is also a dame. That's somehow. that's just I literally I went and looked at all the biggest contracts. I I saw a TikTok where it was like ranking the ten worst contracts of the offseason, and it was the ten biggest contracts <laughs> all in a row. <laughs> there was not a good one. The players who've signed like Cody Bellinger, like there are good contracts that happened, or but it's not even necessarily there was good process. They just got lucky. Yeah, there's been a couple of players who have played well this year who were signed over the offseason. But it's not like the process that went into it. Anybody would have acted differently, or the Mariners would have acted differently. What the Mariners would have done is they would have signed one of these players for $350 million in 11 years, and they would have been fucking awful. Well, speaking of... So, wait, wait, no, I've got a Mariners Oh, thing. no. Oh. I've got my third take of the day. <laughs> that was taken. This is a combined four takes? Because I, I had one? Uh, all takes. All takes. Wow. The Even after we retired takes. The... The last thing this, this I've actually got like, a fifth. Like Hold Jordan's on. first retirement. I, I, I didn't flesh out this take, but how dare the Mariners have an Italian American Heritage Night after sending Sam Haggerty down? Fair question. You know what the record is after they sent Sam Haggerty down? It's not down, good, and it's not good. Thank yeah. you, Mariners. Dylan Moore, he's hitting sixty-seven. Why don't you fucking DFA Dylan Moore? Does if we're DFAing to? players. Send him down. Options? Send down Dylan Moore and call up Sam Haggerty Mariners. Dylan Moore, like, I think he was the last out of the game in the extra innings game. And I was like, I just turn off the TV now. Uh, Sam Haggerty is hitting 205 at Tacoma. I don't care. That's better than .67. What was he hitting in the majors? 191. 191 is a lot better than under 100. Dylan Moore is not a capable Major League Baseball player, as is a lot of the major Mariners roster. Okay, so the other thing that I want to mention, this take number four. Five? I, I was very... Is Festa still on the roster? No. They had an Italian-American Heritage Night. I'm this close to standing. They had an Italian-American Heritage Night where they systematically, one by one, rid themselves of Italians on the roster. What type of pandering-ass shit was that? Without even having the gall or the gumption to have an Italian player on your roster. When the Mariners were propelled to the playoffs by Italians last year. This year they said, we're good. We're good on that. Why is it that Tommy Lastella was released and not Colton Wong? Why is it that Tommy Lastella was released and not Dylan Moore? Hmm? I don't think I have to ask that question again. <laughs> we know what happened to Joe DiMaggio's parents. But... Uh, again, but, this is an anti-Italian bias from Murder's president, Jerry DePoto. <laughs> Speaking of Jerry DePoto, this is my last take. There's at, so my children are at uh, baseball camp this week, having the time of their lives. They love it. And uh, at the camp, what they do is there's like a champion of each day. And at the end of the camp, it ends tomorrow. They're going to choose a champ at the camp. And if you're chosen as champ of the camp, which I will say, I think, I think one of the children has a chance, maybe even both. I think they're in the mix. Is you get free camp the next year. 
And you get one game in the Mariners front office box with Jerry DePoto Wait, for at real? the game. And I was like, okay, I hope we win that because I've got some thoughts. <laughs> I was like, I that actually is great. I'm gonna I'm gonna need one of you to win that because I, I just look, I've got some perspectives. I just look at know that, you know, you've got thoughts for Jerry DePoto. It's, it's so funny because I just watched the Seinfeld episode, The Opposite, where George Costanza tells George Steinbrenner what he thinks of it. And I'm like, maybe that'll be me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the best one is when Steinbrenner, Steinbrenner, air quotes, uh, comes to the Costanza home because George is presumed dead. Right? That's right. And uh, he's going to be traded <laughs> for some chicken. <laughs> Chicken beer. <laughs> the, 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 the rant oh, about everything. <laughs> uh, the rant from Frank Costanza about trading JV and Air for Ken Phelps. My scouts are telling me Ken Phelps. Ken Phelps. Ken Phelps. Especially like knowing that it's Larry that's Larry David. Gonna, now. That's going to be Teoscar Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> Colton Long. Unfortunately, uh, oh, I do not think they have traded away Jay Buter in any of those deals. <laughs> I actually, I had the thought that Jared Kellenick is the new Jay Buter. I'll tell, I'll tell Jerry about it. <laughs> That's all. I'll go all positive if my children are champ at the camp. I'll go all positive and tell him how I really respected that he stuck with Jared Kellenick. How much you appreciated that he brought Sam Hager to the Mariners in the first place. Well, I never even thought about that. Jerry Depoto's Italian. You've never thought about it? We discussed it on the pod have a few we? weeks ago. We have an Ita- that we have an Italian GM? When they started the season with three Italian-Americans on the roster and an Italian-American GM, yes, I brought it up. That must or have president. crushed him. <laughs> That's, I'm going to blame everybody else. I'm blaming John Stanton for all this. John Stanton. GM jo- Justin Hollander. Is yeah, Justin Hollander all these and John Stanton moves. are holding back. GM Jerry Depoto. You just need to like get in his ear and, yeah, he and convince him. Yeah, I'll be. I'll just come with the stats about Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty. Be like Sam Haggerty's hitting a lot better than Dylan Moore. He also look Sam Haggerty. He played first base this year. Sam Haggerty does everything That's a true. lot faster. Uh, anyway, that's the end of my takes. And Love time for the rundown. Baseball. I don't know why we have five takes on this team. Lost two out of the three to the Nationals. The, the the extra innings lost. Do you know what the worst part about it was? Is that I willed it to happen. You willed it to happen? I did. The the bases were... I swear, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Look, I'm too, I'm a little obsessed with the darkness. Um, <laughs> was. It you, doesn't you know mean me. the band. I want... I believe in a thing called love. Uh, <laughs> I want the longest possible baseball game of all time to happen that's that's my so biggest you were issue rooting against the Mariners in the hopes that there was going to be a 19 inning game with the ghost runners i just looked if 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 it's like 9 40 p.m they were going to win the game too easily when the bases were loaded with nobody out and then wow they, we have really pinpointed the problem here uh yeah and then things right when the mariners didn't score run that inning i was like ooh. <laughs> I was like, ah. <laughs> maybe should have been cheering for a sack fly there. <laughs> like you, you did the Bill yeah. Lumberg. Might have read that situation wrong. Can <laughs> need you to come into work? Scored so many runs. Were you home by this? Were you? No, I didn't. Oh, was I home by this? Yeah, you were flying. 
My flight oh, this is yesterday. Oh, was this yesterday? Yeah, no, this no, is yesterday. No. This is like the, the Chris Thomas double down the line. The like hitting the ball down the line pass. I think like, I that saw the, the tweets most... about the Mariners losing, and that's when I remembered the game was on. That is the number one most brutal way to give up runs. There's two outs, you're like, I think we're getting out of this. And then the double down the line, Ooh. you're like, Ooh. Anyway, yeah, and then uh one just more run. did not do anything, ended the game, whereas Sam Hagerty was in Tacoma. Yeah. All right, the roundup. <sighs> we start with the Kraken. We've got their schedule uh, starting in Las Vegas for the ring ceremony for the Golden Knights. Really rubbing it in The there. season Damn. opener on October okay. 10th is part of an ESPN triple header. Those teams, of course, will also play New Year's Day at T-Mobile Park for the 2024 Winter Classic. Really trying to make this into a rivalry. They are. The Kraken's home opener at Climate Pledge Arena will be a rematch against the Colorado Avalanche on October 17th, which also happens to be NBA opening night, so I will not be paying close attention to that game. Uh, Tuesday was the NHL draft. The Kraken selected forward Edward I, I, Sole, I, Sole, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name and could not find that online. An 18 year old Chechia native. Probably not an Italian then. I do, probably <laughs> not. ESPN had him rated fourth among international skaters. Their analysis from Kristen Shilton said that Seattle, prior, Seattle prioritizes its depth over being particularly flashy, and Sole definitely fits that bill. He's a solid, responsible player all around who can add offensively. Cool. So another player like Shane Wright, who dropped over the course of the year, was much more highly rated, it seems, uh, as a younger amateur. Uh, Sounders gave up a goal Wednesday in the opening minute Never fa- at LAFC, never found a way to equalize with just two shots on goal. On Saturday, hosting Orlando City SC, neither team could finish on a combined 29 shots, just five of them on goal. The results meant the Sounders finished June winless with just three points from <laughs> really four matches. Really skating by on this horrible Mariners month. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, historically, the Sounders and Mariners have never been good at the same time. But usually one of them is always good. If neither of them, like the Sounders will make the playoffs most likely, but if neither of them made the playoffs, it would be a remarkable outcome. Uh, the results meant this, uh, Rel Reed Diaz missed Saturday's match after his father passed away. So condolences to Rel Reed Diaz, but uh, he has rejoined. The team will be available this weekend. Uh, is the Kraken and the Kraken Sounders head to Houston with third place in the Western Conference on the line? No, I guess they're hosting them. Don't head to Houston. It's, ignore that. Uh, the Dynamo, two points back in the standings with a match in hand. Houston is led by Moroccan international Amine Bassi, whose eight goals are tied for eighth in MLS. Uh, some tough injury news for the Sounders is Javier Arriaga suffered a quadriceps strain while playing internationally, expected to miss eight to ten weeks. Uh, U.S. men's national team drew Jamaica in the Gold Cup opener over the weekend. I believe that was on Saturday. Uh, Jordan Morris left that game after 55 minutes due to knee discomfort. So not not terribly encouraging news there on Jordan Morris. Uh, the news better for O.L. Reign, who continued their domination of the hated San Diego wave Hello. with a 2-1 win Saturday in San Diego, getting both goals via Beth- Bethany Balser headers. Balser scored in the 8th minute to open scoring, then did it again in the 77th minute for the winner after rookie Jaden Shaw scored for the wave shortly into the second half. The win lifted the rain out of a tie with San Diego and into a tie for second in the NABSL standings. That was the last game, as I mentioned earlier, for the Reigns U.S. Women's National Team players before their World Cup training camp started on Monday. Without them, 
The rain still won one nothing. Who needs them in Portland in the NWSL Challenge Cup? Well, it turns out that uh, the Thorns also have many players on yeah. the U.S. Women's National Team. I assume team. maybe a lot of these teams do. No, like, I mean, there's 23 players in the roster. The Rain having five is a pretty high percentage of them, but Portland also has a lot. Uh, Rain got the game's only goal from Elise Bennett in the second half. Win moves them six points ahead of any other West team in the NWSL Challenge Cup standings. They still have not allowed a goal in any of their four Challenge Cup games, winning three of the four. So certainly in the driver's seat to advance into the uh, semifinals in the NWSL Challenge Cup. It's back to league action Saturday as the rain host Hard Luck Racing Louisville, which has just three wins in 13 games, despite a plus-two goal differential. They are truly the Mariners yeah. of the NWSL. Many people are saying that. <laughs> a lot of people are comparing Racing Louisville to the Mariners. <laughs> uh, Seattle Storm split home games last week, losing Thursday to Indiana and then blowing out the Phoenix Mercury on Saturday night, a game that was Phoenix coach Vanessa Gettnagard's last game before being fired as head coach on Sunday. Storm then lost a high-scoring affair Tuesday in Minnesota with Nafisa's Collier scoring 33 points for the Lynx, who they'll face again this Thursday uh, at home back at Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, a couple of bright spots for the Storm besides all-star starter Jewel Lloyd. Ivana Dojkic continues to play well in a starting role, averaging 11.4 points and 5.0 assists per game while shooting 42% from three-point range. And recent pickup Joyner Holmes had 12 points, six rebounds, three blocks against Phoenix playing extended minutes with Jordan Horston sidelined by a shoulder injury. Then Holmes had 11 points, eight rebounds, and three assists at Minnesota. She's looking like a keeper, even if the Storm are able to eventually add Gabby Williams to their roster as has long been discussed and rumored. Uh, Storm again home on on Thursday night, hosting the Minnesota Lynx in the return game of the home and home there. Uh, beyond that, they will be... Uh, did not put this in the notes, so I got to film as I load this on ESPN. Uh, Sunday, it's Brianna Stewart's second and final return of the season with the New York Liberty, uh, and that's the only game they play so in soon. the week. Yeah. So, be two consecutive Sundays for me seeing Stewie in person. All right, we wrap up this week with UW football, which added nine verbal commits to the 2024 class in the past week, having previously held just one, the fewest at that point of any Power 5 team. So much woofing from Kaylin DeBoer. Uh, really heavy on front seven defenders with a a pair of interior defensive linemen, an edge rusher, and an off-ball linebacker. Uh, certainly, you're, you'll be excited about the interior defensive linemen. And then pass catchers with a pair of wide receivers and a tight end, but also Portland quarterback Elias Johnson and quarterback Demaricus Davis. Uh, Davis, a late-rising prospect who was a reserve his <laughs> sophomore year at uh, Junipero Serra High School behind incoming or uh, current Texas freshman Malik Murphy. I loved seeing all the woofs. I loved the positions of these players as well. Yeah. Uh, no offensive linemen. I know, I know you would like to see that. I do I do love to see offensive linemen. Yeah. But but seeing so many defensive linemen, wide receivers, tight ends. Wide receivers are a little bit easier to get. But but their highest rated recruit, I think, of uh, this group is a wide receiver. And I think that's how it should be. But seeing the interior defensive linemen, defensive linemen, that you literally cannot have enough. I think this program, and I think what Kalen DeBoer is building, is eerily similar to Chris Peterson. 
they're not necessarily going after the highest possible rated recruits. You right. see a lot of three-star it's players. It's not the Rick Neuheisel finishing second or third in the race for Kellen Winslow. You see you see three-star, four-star players, and they're looking for players that are the players like, you know, Demaricus Davis, right? The late-rising players, right? And like, the players who are fits for their system. And Kalen DeBoer, ultimately, it doesn't matter where Michael Penix was recruited, Right. What matters is that Michael Penix is performing on the field. Well, the other thing that doesn't necessarily matter is where you're recruited at all when a large percentage of your production is made up with transfers. Yes. I, I mean, I agree with that as well, where, you know, signing a quarterback, we'll see. But right. I think that their approach is eerily similar, like I said, to Chris Peterson and what they're doing and what they're building. I think that Kalen DeBoer is building something very sustainable here this is not just one year this is he's building a program at the university of washington and i think these signings help kind of push that that conversation forward yeah so it's exciting i mean what's going on at uw right now with every college football is changing a lot at the moment and what is happening on the field recruiting wise every other capacity at uw is extraordinarily exciting and i think that Kalen DeBoer, as long as he's the coach of the University of Washington, I think that the, this program is in a really, really healthy place. So the other news we got on Wednesday is that Seahawks training camp has an official start date, July 25th. It is not far away. Football is coming. You can kind of feel it. Can you feel it? I don't know if I can feel it yet. It's not even the 4th of July. You got to get to the 4th of July to feel it. I'll tell you, I can smell football. Can you? Just in the air. I could smell and I can feel football right now. Well, also the baseball season's over. So that makes it a little <laughs> bit easier. Uh, July 25th, as we record this, I believe is, yeah, less, less than four weeks away. That is wild. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to be here in no time. This summer is kind of flying by, even though it started last week. And it was not flying by for me the 36 hours I spent traveling home from Seattle or home from. I New just York kind, of, kind of like. And, and looking out, and, and I know that it's going to feel like you just woke up and all of a sudden it's August 15th or whatever. Yeah. I think the last piece is that people don't really respect and notice enough Wilhelm. Uh, Breidenbach. Breidenbach. you to get that R in there. Breidenbach. Breidenbach. Yeah. I'm looking at your spelling here. Oh, do I have it wrong? Oh, it is Breidenbach, isn't it? Yeah. So I mentioned a Katie last week. We recorded our podcast. We talked about our boy, Wilhelm Biden-Bach. Yep. Uh, most important Husky since Brandon Roy, maybe. <laughs> I mean, how far are we going back? I Let's say Matisse will. Okay. That's uh, not particularly respectful to the Biden-Bach era. <laughs> but I mentioned to Katie, have you seen Wilhelm Biden-Bach? And she no, had not. It was, it was my typo. It is Brian. Brian. I was okay. I was right about it. And she had not. Uh-huh. And so I had to go out of my way to pull up a photo and be like, this is the savior of the program. <laughs> oh, no. We're now rallying around Mike Hopkins because he got that Brian Bach commitment to the University of Washington. And Katie was a little bit shocked and mildly offended that I brought it up. Uh, but I did want to say, that as we continue to go on, this is one of those things, we're underground right now, right? We're indie in this. <laughs> the Breidenbach fan club? The Breidenbach era. 
that's happening. As the, the college basketball season starts happening, people are going to start to take notice every week. I, right? I agree this with is that. Like, yes. This is like you knew Austin Reeves the day, the day that the Lakers signed him. This is not... Austin Reeves was on our players to watch, wasn't he? I don't know, but I remember one time, this was years ago, there was like the, the FIBA World Championships or something, and Jokic went off. Do you yes. remember that? This, I and, think and it I, may have been the Olympics. What? I think it may have been the Olympics. In the Olympics, there was some game where Jokic just like went totally nuts. And I, I was like, congrats, ESPN's Kevin Pelton. I wish, I wish you a congrats because of you were so early on the Jokic bandwagon. And now this motherfucker's winning an NBA championship, and everybody's talking about how Jokic is better than Larry Bird. So... Yes, Austin Reeves was on the 2021 Players to Watch is. list. There it is. Or at least ESPN is milking the content of Dennis Rodman saying that Jokic is better than Larry Bird for multiple days. But Oh, they, they love that. Last year's Players to Watch list has not aged as well. But you know who was on it? Who is that? Brian Bach? No. <laughs> it's an NBA player, yes. Christian Brown. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it was part of the Nuggets tradition. That's actually pretty funny. I hadn't heard of him until like game three of the finals. <laughs> no, again, you had. Again, I had told you about him. No, but I had, it had sunk in. Anyway, people are going to one by one be like, what's happening here? As they see the Huskies winning games and they see <laughs> Bryden Bach. It is, this is a movement and it cannot be stopped. So that's the, that's the only thing I want to mention is that uh, Katie was late, late to the party. She needed me to remind her. She's probably forgotten. That's how Katie is. You're saying that it was an MVP move to tell her about this? We'll see. Okay. On that note. Thanks for listening. Thanks.